Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. This is Chelsea with Nimrod Outdoors, and I am just wanting to reach out and say we are looking for some business partners. And what that looks like is a business or an individual who wants to sponsor the ministry for $100 a month. And with that, you get your own place on the website where people can check you out, as well as click on links to your uh, Instagram, Facebook, website, whatever it is, your contact info. But then we also want to start giving you guys shout outs on our podcast. Um, So if you're interested, in becoming a business partner or learning more about it, please check us out at our website at nimrodoutdoors.com. Um, or you could also send us an email at contact at nimrodoutdoors.com. Thanks so much. Well, what's going on, guys? This is M.A. Dozier with another episode for the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, and uh, I am really excited about this episode. Um, but just fair warning, uh, it, it may be a little controversial. Um, it is going to be definitely uh, weighty. Uh, it is going to challenge us um, and get us to the point of asking questions that are deeper than surface level. Um, which I love. That is something in my life that I, I look forward to. I love questions that challenge me and just push me to dive deeper. Um, I know for a lot of people uh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, it's something that they don't like doing, but I think it is necessary, uh, especially when it comes to looking at our faith. Um, and I said this is going to be controversial. It's not controversial because of bad theology. Um, it is controversial just because it is a viewpoint that I think the Western world, especially the American church, has a hard time grasping. Um, and so we're, we're going to dive right in. Um, and really, maybe if you saw the title of this podcast, uh, you could kind of understand or kind of realize what it's for. But I want to give you a little bit of a background in my story, uh, my faith, my upbringing, uh, and kind of give you a better idea of why I'm talking about this and where I'm coming from. And so uh, my background, I I grew up uh, from basically the time I was born, my parents were in church. Um, They went to a small church kind of a couple miles from the house uh, until I was, I don't know, maybe four or five um, and then we left that church uh, for various reasons, and we we landed at another church. And it was a Baptist church, um, and uh, it was a decent-sized church. But in the 90s and into the 2000s, it saw uh, immense growth. Um, and uh, my parents actually are still at that church today. Um, that is the foundation of where my faith was really uh, built. Um, and there's some great memories and some great uh, testimonies of uh, my life there and uh, it, it has formed me into the man I am today. But with anything, um, you know, especially growing up in the South, I grew up in uh, Georgia. Uh, they call that the Bible Belt. Uh, that's because there's a basically a church on every corner. Um, and, uh, you know, the culture, especially in the South, is um, I got my Bible, uh, I got my Jesus, uh, I got my gun, and uh, we're good to go. And so that, that's kind of why it's called the Bible Belt. And I grew up there, and I, growing up in the Baptist church, you know, I grew up 
uh, immersed in um, just verses like Jeremiah 29, 11. It's, you know, basically it says, the Lord says, uh, I have the plans, uh, the, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Um, I grew up with verses like Romans 8, 28. It says that we know all things work together for good for those who believe in, in Christ Jesus. Um, even uh, verses like Isaiah 41, 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen, strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, and these are verses that were kind of as I grew up, became the foundation of my faith. I, you know, I believe, man, God is good, and He's going to take care of me. Um, and that was kind of taught and preached uh, in my upbringing through Sunday school and, uh, and middle school and high school, is, hey, if you commit your ways to the Lord, He is going to be faithful and just, and He is going to provide for you. Um, and I can remember growing up, like people always like giving testimonies of like, man, I gave my life to the Lord, and man, there's there's just been so many blessings in my life, and God's given me blessings uh, beyond blessings, and um, that's kind of to the heart of the conversation today. Is um, I came to realize actually into college. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that. I believe that, like, man, if I, if I live my life according to the scriptures and I live my life um, following after Jesus, he is going to bless me. Um, and what that looked like in my mind, in my life, was <clears throat> I'm going to have a great job. Uh, I'm going to have a wife and kids. I'm going to have a house with a picket fence. Um, I'm going to have a dog running in the yard. Um, you know, I'm not going to have to worry about anything financially because he's going to provide it all. He's going to provide all my needs. Um, and I think that was a mixture of uh, people teaching these scriptures, which they're scriptures, so they are truth and they are biblical, uh, but also not really showing the other side of scripture and showing what it really means to follow after Christ. And because of that, um, I built into my own mind, basically my mind filled in gaps of, okay, well, this is what it looks like to follow Christ. And these people that are struggling, these people that are having hardships, um, man, they must be doing something wrong. Uh, but my life, you know, I'm going to follow Christ. And so I'm going to be blessed. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it kind of came down to the point of, of if you live your life for Christ, you will have an easy and blessed life. Um, but I remember coming across a verse and it's kind of funny. Um, the reason why I'm doing this podcast now is because in church just a couple weeks ago, uh, our pastor talked on this verse, and um, it just kind of re-stirred some things in my heart um, that I've been struggling, well, not struggling, but wrestling with for, you know, a decade or so now of what does this look like? Um, and when, when I talk about wrestling with things, I think wrestling with things is a good thing, wrestling with things in our faith. I think if, if we are not wrestling with um, aspects of our faith and trying to comprehend what it, what it is and what God wants for us, then we're just on cruise control, and that's not what God has called us to. So uh, when I say the word wrestling with it, um, in my terms, that is a good thing. Uh, that, that is something that I think every believer needs to have in their, in their life is aspects of their faith that they wrestle with. Because when we wrestle with things, in my own personal uh, life, it, it causes me to dive deeper and to learn more and to understand the character of God and the will of God. And so, um, like I said, I've been wrestling with this verse. So the verse is Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. 
And it says this. It says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you shall not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Um, another version would say that it is our privilege to suffer for his sake. Um, to be honest with you, this goes, this verse goes in direct opposition to the foundation that I built for my life, uh, the faith that I stood on. Um, you know, up until this point, you know, verses like I read earlier, you know, that God is good and he's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. He knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Um, you know, those are things that I held tight to. Uh, but this scripture here kind of goes totally against that. And, and that word there, suffer. Like, I, I don't like that word. I, I don't know of anybody that really likes that word. But that word suffer just kind of took me off guard. It, 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 it challenged me. And so, you know, if we dive into Scripture further, that, that caused me to dive into, into Scripture further. And in John 16, 33, it, you know, it basically says, like, you will have trials and tribulations, but fear not, I have overcome the world. And so here again, we see Jesus saying, like, okay, I'm here. I love you. I died for you. I, I'm, but you're going to have hardships. You're going to have trials and tribulations. And that equates to suffering uh, in my book. And so again, here's another verse that I'm like, man, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Like I, my whole life, I've grown up in the church thinking that if I committed my way to my life to the Lord, that he will bless me and he will, he will provide for me and he will protect me. Uh, We, we talk about all the time. He's a provider and he's a protector. Well, you keep diving further and you get to James chapter one, verses two through four. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, another version of it says, says perseverance. It, it uses the word perseverance instead of steadfastness. Um, and so I read this and again, it, it's like, okay, again, this is going against the grain of the foundation that I built for my life in the faith of Christ. And it says, you know, let steadfastness have its full effect or let perseverance finish its work. Um, and it says that my faith may be made, me made mature and complete through hardships. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, well, I want my faith to be mature. I want my faith to be complete. Um, so does that mean I have to have hardships? Does that mean that God's not going to bless me? Um, and so I, it made me begin to question. It made me begin to wrestle with my thought process of blessings from the Lord. Uh, and blessings are definitely um, something that are scriptural. They're in the Bible, and we'll get to that in a minute. But in my own life, I had to get to the point where I was asking myself, am I following God for his blessings, or am I following God because he is God and he is the creator of the universe? And if I was following God just so that he would bless me, if I was living this life according to his scriptures in order just to receive a blessing, then did the blessing itself become an idol in my life? And so let me, let me be very clear here. I'm, I'm going to add a clarification that blessings are biblical. 
God still provides blessings and God wants to bless us. But if our sole focus is on the blessing, then again, it becomes an idol rather than a gift. If all we are ever doing is living this life in order to be blessed here on earth, then our focus is on the blessing rather than on the creator of the universe and ultimately our redeemer and our savior. So here's the, the issue with the American ideal is I look into the churches today and I look into the Christian culture today here in America. Um, some people call it the West. Um, I'm not going to include other countries in this uh, because I, I do not live there. I do not know where they're coming from. Uh, sometimes when people say the West, they're talking about um, basically countries that are more developed, not third world countries. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to talk about America here. Um, <clears throat> and so the American ideal, we are so blessed here in America. We truly are. Um, we don't have, like, I've never once struggled with anything. Um, even people that are in quote unquote poverty here in America uh, are not dying from starvation. Um, we have set up systems and we have set up availability for them that, that they can get food, they could get water, they could get shelter. Um, they're not just dying because of starvation here in America. Um, uh, you know, we have everything we could ever need. And the, even then some we've become entitled and are looking for things that we want. Um, and I see that even infiltrating into the church where um, I can remember the first time I'd even talked to someone about going into ministry. Um, and I told them a number, you know, I was like, I, I think I could do it for about $20,000. And I remember I was married. I had, uh, our first child was just born. And that person looked at me and was like, there's no way, like you need more than that. Um, but in reality, I didn't need more than that, but societally, that was kind of what society had, had pushed forward is like, this is your status quo of the finances that financial needs that you have. In reality, those aren't needs. Those are just expectations. Like we've gotten to a point now in our world, even inside the church is like, well, I'm not going to do that job for less than this. When in reality, if God has called you to do it, then you do it no matter what the financials end up being. But we've become such a entitled society. And even inside the church where we think God blesses us um, or his blessings match the societal, basically cultural expectations. And that's not true because that's something else I've had to wrestle with is if, if God is good and God is who he says he is, and he truly died on the cross for everybody, then I have to look at my life and I have to reconcile it with someone else's life in a third world country that is living in a slum, living in a hut, might have to be, you know, prostituting their body in order to survive. Does God love them and is God providing for them in their need? And the Bible says that he does provide for us. So if he's providing for them, then what is my need, my expectation? And again, that comes to the fact of, am I looking too much at the blessing of God rather than following after Christ with all I have? And if he decides to bless me in that aspect, sure, absolutely cool. But if my main focus is the blessing, then I'm, I'm struggling. And, and I think as Americans, we have a hard time with this word suffering for Christ's sake. What does it truly mean to suffer? 
I think our definition of suffering here in America is vastly different than what it means to suffer in some other countries across the world. I think our definition of suffer is playing in a thin puddle on the asphalt, whereas other people are talking about suffering and they are in water that is 100 foot deep. And we want to sit here and complain about our suffering. Um, and so I'm not questioning, uh, my name, main question here is not, am I questioning if suffering or is persecution for following Jesus, um, is that a prerequisite for following Jesus? I, that's not my question. I think my question today for me and for you guys is, is the faith that I have in Christ strong enough to withstand the storms, trials, tribulations that biblically seem inevitable? And am I able to give God praise and glory through it all? And so that's my question today. It, not, not as much about is suffering a prerequisite for following Christ, which I think biblically it may be, but that's, that's a different conversation. Today's conversation I want to talk about is the faith that I claim to have in Christ solid enough that when those storms and trials and tribulations come, can I withstand it? And can I give God praise and glory through it all? And if, if, if I look at other circumstances, if I look at other, uh, other people's lives, not just here in America, but across the globe, and if I look at their lives and say, I don't know how they're getting through that, and can I give God glory? If I was in their shoes, could I give God glory and honor like they are? If I can't answer that question with a resounding yes, then is the faith that I have true faith? Or is it built on this facade and this um, false bubble of tradition and basically my upbringing of since I've grown up in America, this is what I expect of God. When in reality, those expectations are not biblical. Those expectations are not found in scripture. Those expectations are just merely found in our society and our culture. And because our, our nation has been quite blessed, then what I expect from God is greater than what the expectation truly should be from God. Um, and so basically, the other question is when it gets hard, do I bail on my faith or do I rely on it even more? Um, so let's go back to Philippians 129. We're talking about suffering. Um, and, you know, is suffering something that we have to go through? Maybe. Um, but the real question again is, what does my faith uphold in that suffering? So what Paul is saying in Philippians 129 blows me away is, you know, I'm reading out of the ESV and it says that it has been granted to us that for the sake of Christ, we should not only believe in him, but suffer for his namesake. Um, other versions, I, I think the NLT version says that um, it is our privilege to suffer for his namesake. Um, I, so you, you get to the base level of like, okay, we are going to suffer. We have trials and tribulations that that's been evident. Um, and it says, James says to count it all joy when we, when we face these trials and tribulations, because it makes our faith mature. Um, it, it basically, uh, completes us, uh, as far as our faith goes. 
And so on a service level, it's like, okay, suffering's going to happen, but, you know, maybe we can avoid it. But what Paul is saying here in Philippians is it is our privilege. And so it's not the fact that like, okay, it may come, it may not. It, it, it comes to the fact of like, this is our honor. We, we, it is our honor to suffer for the name of Christ. Um, and again, this just like blows me away and like pushes me back even further and then pops my bubble of, you know, Bible Belt Baptist upbringing of like, you, you give your life to the Lord, it's going to be all good. Um, because what Paul is saying here is if you suffer, that is a privilege, like, like an honor, like we should, we should like enjoy it, like not necessarily enjoy it, but like it is something in which we should hold in esteem. And that's something that just like, I struggle with, I wrestle with it. Um, and so as you dive deeper into scripture, like if you get into the book of Acts and you read about the disciples and you read about how they went forward presenting the gospel um, and the opposition that they found with the opposition that came against them, you, you read in Acts chapter 5, verse 40 through 42, that, that the temple, the, the synagogue was, the religious leaders at the time were like totally against it. Um, and they'd already talked to him and were like, hey, you need to quit preaching. You need to quit talking about this man named Jesus. And finally, it all comes to a head in chapter 5, um, verses like starting 38 through 42. But I'm going to pick up in verse 40. And it says this, and it says, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them to not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And then verse 41 just is amazing. It says, they then left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. And every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that, the, that Christ is Jesus. And so here, here's my question to you and my question for me is like, could I do that? If someone came to me and they're like, hey, you need to quit talking about Jesus, and if you don't, we are going to beat you. Does my faith that I have give me foundation to stand on to say, no, I'm going to keep preaching no matter what? Or do I bail? Do I say, okay, no big deal. I'll, I'll go live my life for Christ quietly in my house and in the confines of, of my community, but I, I'm not going to get bold. I'm not going to get out there. I'm not going to tell anybody further about the name of Christ. But see, here's the thing. These guys, it says that they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. It says that they were beat. They were beat. And they considered it an honor. And they were rejoicing that they, found, they were found worthy to be beat for the name of Christ. I don't know if I can say that. So when I think about that, in this moment, if that was presented to me, do I have the faith to just continue on or do I turn to complaining? Do I turn to like saying, well, this ain't right. This ain't good. You know, we need to change this um, and, and causing a scene. Or do I just continue on following after Christ and telling others about him? You know, as I read about the disciples and their life, I don't see a life that got exceptionally easier for them what Jesus tells the disciples is like, he's like, Hey, you're going to follow me. And in Romans eight thirty six, he says, you are like sheep 
for the slaughter. Uh, in Matthew ten sixteen, he he tells them like you are among sheep among wolves. Um, you know these are not good things. Like the, the, it shows that there's hardship. It shows that there is going to be challenges. It shows that they are going to suffer for his namesake. And the disciples took it head on. Um, and I think here in America, we we don't understand this. We don't get it. We don't. We think okay, we go to church every Sunday. We drink a coffee. We hear a message. And up until this point, really for the past 50 years, life for a Christian in America has been great. Uh, There was even a time, we're starting to see this change a little bit, but there was even a time where if you called yourself a Christian business owner, it benefited you financially because people were like, yes, we're going to support that. We're going to go after that. We're going to help you. Um, Now we're starting to see more and more of it coming to a head where uh, that is not the case. And my question is, um, I don't know if there's statistics on this, but my question is, as we continue to stray away from that cultural mindset of like our, our nation is, is Christian and, and if you're a Christian business owner, um, you know, you're going to get supported. Um, as we shift away from that and you start to see more people being pushed against as far as like, if you're a Christian, we're not going to support you. You're going to have more hardships and all that. I'd be interested to see if more and more people start falling off and start basically retreating back to their homes and just saying, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to project it. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to show anybody. Uh, It's just for me and my house, but I'm not going to go out and present the gospel. Um, Again, I, I don't know if there's any statistics out there, but I would venture to say that the general American populace called themselves Christian just because of the mere benefit or ha- or quote-unquote blessing that they received from putting the badge of Christianity on their shirt rather than actually following after Christ with all they have um, and the hardships and struggles that ultimately are now coming to our door because of it uh, since they were not truly following after Christ to begin with. They were just merely following the blessing that came with calling with claiming his name, you know, are they going to stick it out or are they just going to fall by the wayside? Are we going to see a mass exodus of Christian businesses uh, in our culture over the next, say, decade because they weren't truly following Christ? Um, That's a question I I think maybe uh, we all need to consider in our own lives. Uh, That's, again, the question that I'm asking myself is, does the faith that I have, does it does it uphold against the storms and hardships and trials and tribulations that are knocking at my door? And if it does not, then do I truly have faith in the God and in Christ that I call to have faith in? Um, But again, going back to the disciples, you know, Jesus told them, like, you're going to suffer for my namesake. You are sheep among wolves. You are sheep for the slaughter. Uh, It says that brother uh, brothers will turn on brothers and family members will turn on family. Um, he's being very upfront with them and saying, These, you're going to have struggles. And that's something that here in the American church, we don't talk about. We, we don't talk about it at all. We, we're hush-hush. We want to talk about all the blessings of God, which is great and it's biblical, but, but there's also another reality. There's also another side to that coin of, Yeah, he's going to bless us, but there's also suffering that is going to take place because the world is sinful, and so therefore it is in direct opposition to Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. And you can't 
have that opposition without having a battle, without having a struggle, without having a conflict. Um, and so that's one thing we need to understand. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell these disciples. And so if you look at the disciples, they all died for Christ. All the apostles ultimately died for the name of Christ. And it's amazing. I did a little research to find out like, okay, they all died, but did they die like peacefully in their homes or did they die, uh, you know, you know, just living out their life? No, like the majority of them died gruesome deaths. And you see this like Matthew uh, was killed by a sword uh, in Ethiopia. Mark uh, was died basically in Egypt. He was dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hanged in Greece uh, because of a result of him preaching. They told him to quit preaching and he wouldn't. So he got hanged. Uh, John, it says that John was boiled in a huge basin of oil um, and uh, he was basically, he was miraculously delivered from death. And then he was sentenced to prison on the island of Patmos, where he also wrote the book of Revelation. But can you imagine being boiled alive and surviving it and then basically being put out on a desert, desolate island to live the rest of your life? Um, Peter was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross. Uh, because he said he that he didn't feel worthy to die as Jesus died. James uh, was thrown over a hundred feet from the southeast pinnacle of the temple, where he refused to not deny his faith. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee, was a fisherman, and um, he was a strong leader in the church. And he was, uh, let's see, James was beheaded at Jerusalem. It says that a Roman officer who guarded James watched. Uh, amazed as James defended his faith at his trial. Uh, let's see, Bar Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, uh, he was a missionary in Asia, and he witnessed in our Lord and present Turkey, um, and he was martyred for his preaching in uh, Aramania, where he was flayed by a whip to death, so he was whipped to death. Uh, Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in uh, Greece, uh, Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India during his missionary trips to, uh, there. Jude was killed with arrows when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. Matthias, the apostle chosen to replace Judas, uh, was stoned to death and then beheaded. Uh, and then Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote this whole scripture that we're kind of talking about today in Philippians, you know, Paul was tortured and beheaded by the uh, emperor of Nero in Rome, uh, and Paul also talks about other, you know, hardships he had, and we see that um, in basically Paul's accounts of his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11, chapter 11, verses 23 through 27, and he says this, he says, um, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, in verse 24, Paul says this. He says, Five times I received at the hand of the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. In toil and hardships, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. 
So here's the fact of the matter. Like Paul's saying like, hey, I gave my life to Christ and I followed after him. And this is what's happened to me. Like he was beaten. Uh, he was shipwrecked. He was stranded in the ocean for a day and a night. Um, and then this is what is even more like just baffling to me is it says he had danger from his own people. He had dangers from Gentiles. He had danger from false brothers. So these are people that say, hey, I'm a believer. And he like thought that they were on the same page as him and following Christ. And yet they turned against him and they probably reported him to uh, the religious leaders at the time. So they would go after him and try and kill him. Um, Paul did all this for the sake of Christ. And he went through all this so that you and I now can hear and understand the gospel of Christ. Again, my question is for myself and maybe you can ask yourself this is, does the faith that I have that I claim to have in Christ, if all like at what point in my life would I say, okay, I'm done? Could I go and get beaten three times with rods? Five times he was lashed. At what, at what, how many times would it take me to say, okay, I'm done. You're right. I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But yet he continued on. And then ultimately he was beheaded for his faith. I mean, guys, this, this stuff challenges me, man. It like, it challenges me to look beyond the American ideal of what Christianity looks like in the easy life that we've had here. Um, it's the great American predicament. Like, is the faith that I have, is it cultural? Is it traditional? Um, you know, is it this be blessed mindset? I was going through a drive through just the other day at work and the guy handed me my, uh, my food and he was like, Hey, be blessed. Uh, while his sentiment sentiment is awesome. Have we become addicted to the blessing rather than addicted to who Christ actually is and what he has called us to do? Um, you know, we talk about, we want revival, like America needs revival, but my question is, do we actually know what it takes to have revival? Look at what, cause, what revival looked like for these disciples. Every one of them died. Every one of them was suffered for Christ's namesake. And that is what created a revival in the world. Was these guys to suffer? Let's talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What allowed Babylon to understand who God is? Like, what created revival in Babylon was the fact that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the faith to stand before Nebuchadnezzar and say, our God is God no matter what. Whether he delivers us or not, he is our God. And ultimately, they got thrown into the fire. Do we have that kind of faith? Is that the kind of faith we have to instill revival? It wasn't until they got thrown into the fire and people saw Jesus in the fire with them that revival took over Babylon. See, I think in America, we think, okay, we might get to the point of almost being thrown in the fire, but God is going to rescue us before that even happens. And what I see in America and in American churches is when persecution starts coming, we basically are trying to find any way we can to not go into that fire. But yet revival happened the moment that they went into the fire. See, in America, we avoid the fire. When in reality, God has called us to walk into the fire because inside the fire, others see who we are and where our faith really lies. 
But yet we are so obsessed and so focused on the blessings of God that we are not truly walking after God and truly walking in what he has called us to. Again, I'm not saying that we go seek out suffering, but it is a perspective change. It is a lens in which we look through this world and saying, I'm going to follow Christ no matter what. And if that means walking into that fire, if that means doing what these disciples did and what Paul did and saying, I'm giving my life for this cause, that is truly the faith that we are called as Christians. And I'm going to honestly say this. I don't know if I have that faith. That's something that I have to wrestle with. That's something that you have to wrestle with. The other thing that, that I wrestle with, and I've had conversations with a good friend of mine, Dan, um, is this whole mentality in America of God is good. Um, and yes, God is good. So don't misunderstand me here. But we use that and we say that, and it is very uh, flippant. Um, and uh, one thing, Dan's story is that he lost his nine-year-old son tragically. Um, and Dan has admittedly questioned because he kept going to church and all he ever heard is God is good. God is good. And in his circumstances, he was like, I don't know if I believe that. Um, and so Dan and I've had multiple conversations on, uh, is God good? And if he is good, why is he good? And if he's good, why did he have to lose his son? And so here's, here's the fact of the matter. God is good. That whole sentiment and the truth about God being good is not dependent on our current circumstances, but it is solely founded on the truth that he has redeemed us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. See, the maturing of our faith is the understanding that God's ultimate provision for me and for you is to live eternally with him, no matter the hardships that I face here on earth. And one day, one day, we will have the benefit and the ultimate blessing of living eternally with him in glory. And until that day comes, basically, yeah, this, this life's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be challenging. Um, I have another friend named Cody, uh, and he was living his best life apart from Christ. He said, I could do what I want, whenever I want, however I wanted. Nobody questioned me. Um, but eventually God got a hold of him. And when he gave his life to the Lord, he'll admittedly tell you that his life absolutely crumbled to the ground because his life before was in direct opposition to what Christ had called him to. And so there was a conflict. He, he ended up getting divorced because his wife was like, I'm not going to be a part of this. Uh, he lost his home. He lost his job um, and ultimately lost everything because of his pursuit for Christ. And he, he admittedly sat around across a picnic table from me and said, this is not what the American church told me was going to happen when I gave my life to the Lord. The American church told me that my life was going to be great, God was good, and he was going to provide everything I needed. And in reality, I lost everything when I gave my life to the Lord. I um, mean, he's had to wrestle with that. And, and I've had to help help him wrestle through that. Same with Dan, like Dan and I've had multiple conversations and Dan has challenged me on, you know, just flippantly saying, well, God is good. Well, yes, God is good. There's no doubt about that in my mind, but that is only because that he has ultimately redeemed us to live eternally in heaven with him. And so here on this earth, Jesus did not mince words. Jesus was clear. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. Um, and we're going to suffer 
for his namesake. Let, let's talk about uh, Iran for a minute. Iran has the fastest growing church in the world, okay? Fastest growing church in the world. And the persecution that happens over there is, is so bad that when someone gives their life to the Lord and they follow scripture and believers baptism, their life expectancy goes down to four days. And yet it is like wildfire over there. People are getting saved left and right, knowing that in four days their life could end, but yet they fully believe in what Jesus said, he, he, who he is and what he has done for us. And they understand that the ultimate provision of the Lord is in eternity, not in this depraved and broken world that we live in today. In America, we see a mass exodus from the church. And my, and my honest opinion is, is because we don't truly know what it means to suffer for the name of Christ. We've built up generations after generations after generations that have soaked in the blessings of God and thought the minute that things get hard, they're like, this is not what I signed up for. When in reality, what they signed up for was not scripturally based. It's not founded in scripture. Yes, God can bless us and he he still does bless us here on this earth. And we do get blessings. But in reality, The world we live in today is in direct opposition to Christ. And because of that direct opposition, we are going to have trials. We are going to have tribulations. So are we able to do and change the world like they are in Iran because they are literally giving their life for Christ? Can you say that you're doing that? Not just giving your life as far as like, giving up your job and going to do a new job. I'm literally talking about giving up your physical life. Like someone coming to you today and doing like what they did to the disciples and saying, I want you to basically discount or to throw away the faith that you have in Christ. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. Can I say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still walking with Christ. Man, that is a challenging question. Um, and guys, I know this was kind of a, a heavy, a heavy podcast, um, but it's something that has been on my heart. It's something that uh, I, again, I wrestle with this on a daily basis. Does the faith that I have truly line up with scripture? Does the faith that I have truly point others to Christ? Because not because of, I could say, look at what God has given me, but I could say, look at who God is and what he is ultimately going to redeem me to. And what I can honestly say is my buddy Dan, who tragically lost his son, I have seen a much greater impact through his suffering for the name of Christ than I've been able to instill in other people's lives because people can look at him and go, I don't understand how you still say that God is good. And Dan can honestly tell you, I don't know how I'm saying it either, but I know that he loves me and I know he is who he says he is. And I don't understand these circumstances. I don't understand why I'm going through these trials. But like it says in Philippians 1.29, that these trials bring maturing to our faith so that we are lacking nothing. Guys, it is our job, if we truly call ourselves believers in Christ, to push everything and point everything back to Christ. Whether it's good, whether we're having a hard time, whether we're having a struggle, we can point back to Christ and say, He died on that cross for me, and one day I will live in glory eternally. 
and whatever sufferings I have on this earth, I'm going to continue to give praise and glory to his name. Guys, I hope this challenged you today. I hope it's something that uh, makes you think beyond your bubble of American Christianity and your bubble of um, basically comfortability in the church. And maybe, maybe I've, you know, given you an avenue to step outside of your box of what it truly means to follow Christ. Um, I know for me, it has been something, like I said, that I've, I've wrestled with for over a decade of figuring out what it truly means to follow Christ. And guys, if I look at scripture, it's pretty clear. If I look at the guys that did it before us, the disciples, they didn't have these easy lives. They had anything but. But I thank God every day that they had the conviction and the perseverance to push through. Because without them, we could not be sitting here talking about this today. Y'all have a great week. Y'all stay humble, you stay focused, and y'all keep pressing forward. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.